I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. To our new listeners, welcome. To our old listeners, welcome back. Another episode of Magical Education awaits you. But first, we would like to say a few words. Nitwit. Blubber. Oddment. Tweak. Podcast nine and three quarters topic of the week is what took Hagrid so long? Hello listeners, I'm Rhea. And I'm Jem. And this week we're trying to figure out where Hagrid was. Uh, To be more specific, (laughs) what were Hagrid and baby Harry doing during the missing 24 hours between Voldemort's defeat and their arrival at the Dursleys? Yeah. So, (laughs) this is something that I've been curious about for a while. I've got... Mm. Like, sort of like a loose timeline, except I shouldn't call it a timeline. I've got a loose sequence of events, and there's a big gap where Hagrid and Harry are just sort of like, question marks, missing, where are they? (laughs) So, I want to talk about it. Um, Yeah, I've got the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to go through my points of what I think happened, and then we'll try and figure out times where they happen, I think. That's where we should start, right? Okay, sure. Okay. So... First of all, Voldemort kills Lily and James. This happens on Halloween night. Mm -hmm. At some point, Dumbledore hears about this and sends Hagrid. Hagrid and Sirius arrive at Godric's Hollow at approximately the same time. Sirius leaves to go track down Peter Pettigrew and Hagrid collects baby Harry and takes him to the Dursleys. Yeah. On the 1st of November... McGonagall is at Privet Drive all day. Yeah. Vernon Dursley goes about his day noticing wizards who are aware of what happened the previous night. Mm-hmm. After dark, Dumbledore arrives and Hagrid arrives with baby Harry. Yeah. So that means that there's approximately 24 hours between the night of the 31st when Hagrid gets Harry from Godric's Hollow and the night of the 1st of November when he arrives at Privet Drive. Yeah. I've got And more... I don't know what he was doing during that time. <laughs> I've got more times to that. Um, for my general approximation. So, obviously, like you said, Wednesday, 31st of October, 1981, James and Lily are killed by Voldemort. Mm -hmm. I approximated this was about sundown, because as we remember, it was Halloween, and there was children on the streets wearing costumes, because one of the children came up to Voldemort and said, nice costume, mister, and Voldemort, (laughs) like, stared at them, and the kid ran away. So, my presumption is about, like, I don't know, Halloween (laughs) culture, is that when you take your kids out to do trick-or-treating, it's not too late. It's mainly just sundown, and then you go back in before it gets too dark. So, I researched the average... Oh, I was just going to say, because we live in the Southern Hemisphere, Australian girls over here, we don't really have a twilight. For us, it's just sort of like, sun goes down and it goes from daytime to nighttime very, very rapidly, and there's not an in-between time. But my understanding of the Northern Hemisphere is, like, they have a big, long period where 
like the sun's sort of mostly down, but it's not full pitch black yet. Then there's like light, and I think that's the Halloween trick or treating period. I don't know how long it is though. Hours? Uh, who knows? Anyway, like yeah, I I looked up um what the average <laughs> sundown times were for England this year. I couldn't really trace it back to eighty one, but I looked it up for this year, and I made that's an fair. average. <laughs> I made an average, and it was about six thirty p.m. is when the sun goes down. So sometime between I'm going to okay, say so six thirty, yeah, sometime between six thirty p.m. to about seven p.m., James and Lily were killed and Voldemort was defeated, and then we know that on Thursday the first of November it was about midnight that Hagrid arrives because it says that McGonagall the cat stood like was standing still on the wall after Vernon Dursley went to sleep and she didn't move until near midnight when Dumbledore appeared right. and they were probably talking for about fifteen twenty minutes before Hagrid arrived. So Hagrid arrived around midnight on the thirty on the 1st of November. So closer to the 2nd of November was when he arrived. So I've estimated that that's probably about 30 hours of missing time, not yeah. 24. Okay. So Just it's based on longer. that like little math thing alone. But, here's... but then again, I didn't take into account the fact that Dumbledore had to hear about it. Mm-hmm. And obviously Snape had his arrival, as we know. And yeah. then there was... Um, uh, Sirius and, and Hagrid arriving. So that's a bit more time. It could have been that Harry wasn't picked up by Hagrid and taken into the custody of Hagrid until maybe, like, I don't know, nine or something like that. <laughs> we don't really know. I would push uh, it closer to midnight. So there's, like, several things we have to go through before Hagrid arrives. So first of all, yeah, how does anyone know what happened? Because Godric's Hollow doesn't have a big mm. magical population, right? It has mostly muggles... Lillian James and Bethilda Bagshot are the confirmed wizards in the area. I thought it was about half and half wizards and muggles. Like, even though we only have some confirmed families, it's still counted as one of the magical villages to live. So I'd say it's, like, you know, not just, like, a minority. Okay. So I was was thinking, like... So maybe no no one notices what happens at the Potter's Place for, Mm -hmm. like, hours and hours because they're all muggles and they can't even see the house. But if there's a fair amount of wizarding magical families around, then probably somebody notices pretty soon. They would probably be aware of the explosion and aware that the Potters are in the area and get over there pretty quickly and see what's happened and start spreading the news. Mm -hmm. And then it's just about how long it takes to get back to Dumbledore. Yeah. I would assume well, that would be pretty quick. Yeah, because isn't Bethilda kind of connected to the Order or, like, new Dumbledore as well? So, like, if Bethilda finds out, she's telling Dumbledore mm. straight away, of course. Yeah, I don't think she's connected to the Order of the Phoenix, but she knows Dumbledore and she she was at the Potter's house at some point because Lily writes about her in a letter mm. that Snape exactly. steals part of. Yeah, so she would yeah. have been aware of them. And as soon as she heard, she would have contacted... I was about to say the appropriate authorities, but no. Dumbledore. <laughs> and possibly also she called the Ministry. So, how long are we reckoning? Like, almost as soon as the big... Because, like, when Voldemort... Like, obviously, Voldemort goes in the house, he kills James and Lily. There's a bit of screaming and commotion in the house, but you might not necessarily hear that as a neighbour. Or if you did, you pass it off as just Halloween mm-hmm. nonsense. But then when you hear a giant explosion when Voldemort back, yeah. like, you know, shoots a spell and it back... What's the word? Back... What's the, bounces back. God. Backfires. Shoots a spell and it backfires. Thank you. It backfires on himself and blows himself up and blows part of the house up. You'd hear that. 
So <laughs> that's when people yeah. are stepping out almost as soon as Voldemort's died. A bit of a selfish match to Harry. Spoiler alert. Um, and Harry's like alone. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to say if they're killed around 6.45, it takes maybe five to ten minutes for people to notice <laughs> um, <laughs> that the Potter house has been attacked. Yeah, I think people notice really quickly. Also, because the Potters and the Longbottoms were both like prophesized about and in hiding, I would imagine that members of the Order of the Phoenix mm. would be keeping an eye on the place. Oh, yeah. Maybe not like a constant guard like Harry had in the fifth book, mm. but somebody's checking in there pretty regularly. Yeah. I feel like within an hour or two, everybody knows about what's happened or everybody who's relevant knows that something bad has mm-hmm. happened and people are arriving on the scene to check things yeah. out. And by people, I mean like ministry officials. I'd say honestly less than an hour. I'm going to give it 30 minutes before people start arriving. Mm. Yeah. Because here's the thing. <sighs> Magical communication. A lot of people like bitch about the fact that you know, witches and wizards don't have phones. They can't just call each other. Read a they book. write letters and send them by owl. But <laughs> yeah, they do have much faster ways to communicate outside of snail mail, <laughs> owl post. <laughs> they have patronuses they send. They have, you know, magic mirrors Fires and nonsense and... like that. Yeah. I'm sure they found some way to do it instantly. <sighs> yeah. Fire paces. They can apparate. Exactly. I think... Yeah, people, somebody notices what's going on, gets over to the Potter's house, see sees what's happened, calls for reinforcements, and there could be people there within minutes. Because mm-hmm. they can just teleport over there as soon as they hear something's exactly. wrong. Yeah. Another thing that I, I've been saying, you know, alert the appropriate authorities, alert the ministry. Did the Ministry of Magic go to the Potter place? Or was it Dumbledore and his militia who showed up? Was there any official response? I don't think there was an official response until later. I think the first point of call was Dumbledore and the Order, because the Order was watching, or Bathilda was watching, or whatever. And so the first people on the scene mm-hmm. were, besides Snape being all sneaky and gross, the first people on the scene were Order members, and specifically it was Hagrid. And think from all the ways it, in all the ways it was described, it was just Hagrid there by himself picking up baby Harry while like you know, there's some muggles there's some muggles yeah. gathering around thinking it's like uh, not knowing what's going on but he skips up baby Harry and then Sirius arrives so I think the first point of call mm-hmm. for Dumbledore as soon as he found out what was I going think... on was send Hagrid for some reason yeah which is weird because you'd think Dumbledore first of all would want to go there himself in person to see what's happened mm. and second of all he could get there faster because Hagrid can't apparate. Yeah. He can fly, maybe. But he doesn't have the flying motorcycle at this point, no, either. he doesn't. Because he gets that from Sirius. Yeah. So the assumption is that Dumbledore helped Hagrid get there somehow, whether it's through a port key or apparition. When, but the, That begs the question, why didn't Dumbledore stop by himself as well to look at the scene and understand what was going on? <laughs> okay. Here's, here's my new theory. I've come up with something. So Dumbledore finds out what's happened. He immediately takes Hagrid with him because Hagrid's big and strong and he trusts him (laughs) and they go to the house while they're still there. Ministry shows up and Dumbledore's like to Hagrid, take Harry and go right now. Mm -hmm. Get out of here. 
I will deal with the authorities. And so Dumbledore walks out and he's like, here's blah, 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 blah. And he distracts everybody and keeps everybody away. And Hagrid scoops up baby Harry. Oh no, fuck, because then Sirius has to get in here. How does Sirius arrive? (laughs) I've run into a problem. Hagrid starts to scoops up baby Harry, walks through the rubble of the house. Sirius arrives, runs onto the scene and into the rubble. They have their confrontation while Dumbledore's moving the ministry away and encouraging the ministry to get the muggles away because the muggles have just seen an explosion and they don't Mm. know it's a a gas leak yet. That's what the the oblivion is put in their head. So they're encouraging the muggles to move away from the scene and the wizards to move away from the scene, like have some respect. So they're like down the street somewhere. Mm -hmm. And then Hagrid and Sirius have this encounter. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. And Sirius is like, give me Harry. He's mine. I'm his godfather. And Hagrid's like, no, no. Mm. Oh, yeah. He's like, no, no. He's got to go to his aunt and uncle because he says that's what he says to Sirius. So he already knew that. So Dumbledore communicated that to him already. Dumbledore's making quick decisions. That's what he's known for. (laughs) And Sirius at the... Yeah. Sirius... I'm assuming in this moment is putting together the puzzle pieces and he's like, fuck, Peter. I've got to go after Peter. So he's like, you're right. You protect Harry, assuming that he's going to get Peter and then go and pick up Harry. I always thought that's what Sirius intended to do. Oh, exactly. Sirius... He's like, you get Harry, keep him safe, take my bike, go. Sirius knows that he's one of the only people in the world that knows that Peter is a traitor. And he's one of the only people that can find Peter Mm -hmm. because he knows about Peter's animagus form. And he knows that Peter isn't going to stop until yeah. Harry's dead or Peter's and his friends aren't going to stop. So Sirius knows that his priority now is mm-hmm. to stop Peter before it's too late. And everyone's still in wartime. Like, because Voldemort's mm. dead, but the Death Eaters are still a thing. Like, these are all still members of the Order mm-hmm. of the Phoenix. Everyone's thinking in terms of, like, battle plans and strategies like that. Nobody's like, you know, this is a calm, normal day where something terrible's happened and we have to react to it. It's like, this is our everyday reality. People are getting their houses exploded and murdered yeah. constantly. Yeah, so that happens. All of this happens, I'm going to say. And let's say that the Potters were killed about 6.30, 6.45. I'm going to go 6.45. Mm-hmm. All this happens, and I'm going to say it's 10 past 7. Okay. <laughs> like, that's what I'm putting it at. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, honestly, within within half an hour, an hour max. I think half an hour might even be pushing it. So Hagrid gets on the bike and he takes off and he knows at this point that Harry has to go to his aunt and uncle. But does he know how to get there? <laughs> so he's got a destination in mind. Where because does he know. go? What does he do? <laughs> does he know... Where the Dursleys live. Because we know, if he leaves, if he's, like, prepping his bike and he's leaving by a quarter past seven on 31st of October, he doesn't arrive until the 1st of November about midnight. <laughs> so what? how many hours is that? Mm-hmm. That's a lot. That's more than 24. It's, like, it's, like, almost 30 hours. Almost it's 30. almost 30 hours. Okay. <laughs> All right. Here's what I've guessed. <laughs> what? Um... <laughs> I did a lot of research on this. Most of the research (laughs) I got was from Reddit. And this was in terms of finding out stuff about geography of England. Because I had to look at a lot of stuff about where's Godric's Collar, where's uh, Surrey and Little Whinging and all this stuff. I had to do a lot of estimations. Um, So Reddit helped with that. Mm -hmm. So apparently Godric's Hollow is in the West Country. This is all we're really told. Um, But there's more hints that it could be near a moor because obviously there's the rhyme from the sorting hat that Godric's Hollow grew up from wild moor 
Um, so there's this there's estimations that Godric's okay. Hollow isn't just like a special place for Godric that he might have actually been born there or raised near there, and so it's near Moor, and people have presumed that it's right. near Exmoor. Yeah, that it might be near Exmoor National Park, which is in the West Country. Um, it's also close to an ocean coast, which would make sense because Hagrid said that Harry, um, that, that he went over the sea, didn't he? That was part of his like description to Dumbledore about yeah. the flight. So this could be talking about the Bristol Channel, he... which is right next to the moor. Um, yeah. yeah. He says to Dumbledore, um, Harry fell asleep while they were flying over Bristol. Yeah. But he also mentions the sea at some point. Um, so I did a bit of like looking and I, I on like Google Maps and I looked around at um, the villages that were like near the moor and near the Bristol Channel and most of them are coastal I'm like that can't be right for Godric's Hollow because that, like we're presuming that Godric's Hollow is like 50% muggle 50% wizard so it has to be listed on the muggle map because the muggles live there um, and I'm like okay yeah. they can't be coastal because we've seen Godric's Hollow it's not a coastal town it's described as like you know it's it's inland um, so I'm like okay the closest town that I could find mm. near the moor and near the sea was Barnstaple, a place called Barnstaple. So, okay, yeah, all right, you seeing it? So, yeah, whack out your atlases. Yeah, at I home, see it. I've got it because this is going to be a bit of a journey. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm guessing that Hagrid could have flown from Barnstaple over Exmoor out to the sea, keeping the coastline in sight. So the M5 is like this huge coast is along the coast and for, and goes further east. So if you go overland again at Western Supermare, it's like you can, can you see it on the map? Yes. Um, <laughs> and then you flow up towards you fly up towards uh, Bristol. That's where Harry falls asleep. Okay. And Bristol's also the closest city, so at night time it would be more visible and lit up. So Hagrid's following the cities, I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. Then you fly straight east over Bath. Uh, Chippenham, Newbury, and I'm sorry for any pronunciations, uh, Bassingstroke, until he reached, reaches Surrey. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I also had to figure out where Little Whinging is in, like, in Surrey, because Surrey is quite a big, like, massive land. So there's been stuff on Reddit as, as well saying that Harry goes to the Dursleys from Paddington Station in Book One, and this means that Little Whinging would be in the extreme north of Surrey. I don't know how like verifiable this is but this is what people have been saying i'm like okay um and so they're saying that that it's perhaps even more north than stains and i was looking at where stains was it's pretty far north and sorry and so but i was also matching up the lines i had like a big like you know fucking things pinned to the wall with like red tape <laughs> and stuff that's what I, like, I was matching up the lines and stains or like the area just north of it is directly east from Bristol. So if Hagrid had just gotten to Bristol and then just flown east inland, he would have reached Surrey in a straight line. Okay. Um, is this so that's how Stains I, that's, Upon that's how I, Stains Upon Thames? Is that yeah. the place you're talking about? Stains Upon Thames. Okay, yeah. right. Yeah, that's pretty much a straight line east. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, that's pretty much how I figure geographically the journey might have gone in my head. Um, <laughs> so then I looked at Google Maps and I like looked at the journey by car. So obviously it's not going to be the same with the flying motorbike that goes over the sea and all this sort of stuff. But the journey mm-hmm. by car takes about three hours and 13 minutes. Imagine. Gosh. Um, 
Okay. But of course, you know, Hagrid wasn't using roads, so he wasn't <laughs> encountering traffic or, you know, like roadblocks or anything on the land. He had clear skies and we could go as fast as he needed within reason because he has a baby in his hands. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm going to estimate that taking yeah. these considerations into account, Hagrid could have made the trip in about two and a half hours, I'm going to say. Like, maybe even less. So, okay. what took him so long? <laughs> um, <laughs> this is the question. What took him so long? So he should have he should have gotten there by midnight on Halloween. Yeah, that's 28 missing hours that is still missing in this equation. Um. <laughs> yeah. If he left at like quarter past seven. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, sorry. I missed a step there where in my, in my brain, you said it's going to take two and something hours. Yeah. Yeah. And in my brain, I'm like, okay, I'll be really generous to Hagrid and I'll double that. Because I don't know how fast the motorcycle goes. I don't know about, like, wind conditions up in the sky. Let's be generous and I'll double it for him. So that's five hours. Yeah. So if he leaves at quarter past yeah. seven, he should have gotten there by midnight 24 hours before he actually gets there. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot. So that's why it's I'm just like... In. Yeah, 24 hours. <laughs> okay. So I have some more theories. First of all, I love how much research yeah. you did there. That's really Thank cool. You. I love that you think that he went, like, north and over the Bristol Channel, because that makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. He would want to be, you know, avoiding muggles as much as possible by flying over the water, at least for the first part of the journey where he can, and where that's, you know, safe Mm. and reasonable. And then when he goes over land, he's following following the highway. So the sound of the bike would be, like, swallowed up from the sound of the highway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a big highway between uh, Bristol and where we think Little Winging is. Yeah. So. And I like that you've put him over Bristol as well, because the direct route does not go over Bristol. It goes south of there. (laughs) Um, But so then, like, there's been, like, in figuring out how it took him so long, there's been some suggestions. Like, obviously, there's still a war going on, even though Voldemort's been defeated. Not, not everyone knows that, and the followers mightn't even care. They might still be out there trying to kill people. So there's... Oh. Yeah. There's suggestions. Yeah, absolutely. There's suggestions. And we know that the um, the Lestranges don't care. They go after the Longbottom straight away. Yeah, they don't give a fuck. Yeah, they would 100% go after Harry yeah. if they knew where he was. He's in the sky. Above Bristol. Mm. So there's been, there's been suggestions that Hagrid doesn't... Even if he takes this route that I've outlined, which is kind of like an L shape, then he might have still been zigzagging and like trying to throw people off his trail mm-hmm. while he was going in that general direction. So it might have taken him longer as well. But even then, I don't think it could account for the missing 24 hours yeah. if he did that dodgem little routine. Even if he was mm. zigzagging, I think my estimate of five hours is very, very generous. Because that's that's double how long it should yeah. take. So if he was doing big zigzags and going twice as far, he should still get there within five hours. Mm. Yeah. But here's what I'm thinking. I, I, had a, I sat down and I did some thinking when I like got all this research together. And I was like, okay. Now I've got to think about the human element. Would Hagrid have kept a vulnerable baby Harry up in the cold night sky for long periods of time? Mm-hmm. And I think the answer is no. <laughs> Okay. I think that, like, Hagrid might have made half of the journey on Halloween night and then landed somewhere in maybe Bristol or... In between Bristol or Surrey. Mm-hmm. So landed somewhere inland once he'd gotten over that sea leg and over Bristol. He landed somewhere in between Bristol to Surrey Hills. Not Surrey Hills, sorry. Different place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
So Hagrid's in shock and grieving, and he's been given this task of, like, severe importance. Baby Harry's probably been a mix of curious and crying, and now finally, after being in the air for over the sea and over Bristol, he's finally gotten to sleep. So Hagrid decides that the band needs to rest, <laughs> and, like, he's worried that the engine of the motor mic might keep him awake or something like that, so he lands and finds somewhere to hide. Harry rests for the remainder of the night, and by the time he wakes, it's nearly dawn, so taking the motorbike up now would be risky. So Hagrid and Harry stay hidden on land for the day. You can imagine all the cute, like, little interactions that they might have with this big, giant, soft-hearted man, this tiny little baby, Mm. like, you know... Harry getting lost in one of Hagrid's coat pockets and finding, like, an owl in there. And, like, you know, Hagrid being able to pick up Harry with just, like, his little finger and all this sort of stuff. Mm. (laughs) Cute. Um, With the size of Hagrid versus um, the size of a baby, he would have been able to put Harry in the palm of his hands, like we used to be able to do with our puppy. (laughs) Yeah. When he was so small. (laughs) Okay, so then they've had this day together and it's starting to get dark. So why, do you ask, doesn't Hagrid take off again as soon as it gets dark enough? Because that would still give him loads of hours to make it there before midnight. Mm -hmm. Well, I answer this question for you. Because of the fireworks. So, Ah. in the first chapter, in the first chapter of the first book, we hear that, like, shooting stars have been mentioned in Kent. But they've also been mentioned, um, let me just get the things here, in Yorkshire and Dundee. The, The newscast, the full quote is like, um... Viewers as far apart as Kent, Yorkshire, and Dundee have been phoning in to tell me that instead of the rain I promised yesterday, they've had a downpour of shooting stars. Now, I looked up these different towns. They are, like, far apart. One of them is, like, uh, Kent's southeast of London, Yorkshire's more central north England, and Dundee's in Scotland. So I think what the newscast is trying to say is that shooting stars are happening in all corners of the country. They're happening Mm -hmm. everywhere. And so my hypothesis is that Hagrid's like, okay, yeah. it's time to go. He's packed the motorcycle, but then all these shooting stars go up in the sky, and he's like, fuck. I can't, like, <laughs> I can't take Harry up there now because I could risk, you know, the motorcycle being seen or hit or anything like that. So he has to wait until all the excitement dies down wherever he is. So it'd probably be a while later in the night when people are, like, you know, finally settling down and sneaking into taverns or homes and raising drinks to Harry Potter, the boy who lived, that Harry's actually, that Hagrid's actually able to yeah. take off on the bike and make a straight route to Surrey, Surrey and drop Harry off. So that could be close to midnight. And that's, that's my hypothesis of why it took Hagrid so long. Okay, okay. That's good. <laughs> um, I like the idea that Wizards are going so batshit insane that the sky has become too dangerous. (laughs) Like, the whole sky. That's good. Well, the Minister of Magic said that they had an an inalienable right to party. Like, (laughs) she she wasn't stopping anyone. I was just looking up that (laughs) quote. (laughs) So the Minister of Magic at the time was Millicent Bagnalt. And... Yeah. Wizards are up and down the country started celebrating Voldemort's downfall in what became a night of large-scale breaches of international of the International Wizarding Statute of Secrecy. Mm. Bagnall defended these celebrations by famously stating that she asserted the wizard's inalienable right to party. That's so good. <laughs> so she got in trouble for letting everyone, like, set off fireworks of magic and stuff, and she's like, fuck you, she really we're is. celebrating. <laughs> so good. She really is that bitch. I love yeah. her. <laughs> she's honestly one of my favourite characters in the entire series. Just that one line. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's that's good. That's a really good theory. I also had some, like, 
modifications in case that theory didn't line up exactly. Like maybe the bike malfunctioned and that warranted a stop as well. Or Mm -hmm. perhaps Harry was distraught on Halloween night. So Hagrid didn't fly at all. And he only started the journey after all the hubbub died down on November 1st. And when they took flight after almost a day of crying, Harry finally fell asleep over Bristol. So that might've been a consideration as well. Okay, here we go. I've got another theory. <laughs> yeah, hit me with your theories. That's all my takes. That's it. So I'm interested to see what what you say. Yeah. So I had two theories, one of which I've been able to debunk while you've been talking. So one of my theories mm. was that Hagrid was like, I've got to take Harry to the Dursleys, but first I'm going to take him to St. Mungo's to make sure that he's okay. That makes a lot of sense to me. Because, oh. you know, who knows? So I was looking at that, but <laughs> this place where we think that the Dursleys live is really, really, really close to mm. London. Yeah, it is. So I feel like he could have made it to St. Mungo's, been in St. Mungo's for like 12 hours or whatever, and still managed to get there Yeah, really quickly. Yeah. So I've kind of just dismissed it. Unless he was kept at St. Mungo's for, like, a solid 24 hours, which I guess is possible. Like, maybe they're checking Harry for, like, curse damage and stuff. Who knows what happened to him? (laughs) That's a cool theory, but I also think surely there'd be records of that. And, like, I don't know, that'd be something that'd be mentioned in Harry's biography written about him. (laughs) And, like, I don't know, I'm sure it would have come up in the series. (laughs) Like, when when Harry's, like, visiting St. Mungo's in the fifth book, and he's like, oh, I've never been here before, it looks great. And Hermione's like, actually, you have been here before, it was in your biography. And he's like, please stop mentioning facts about my life that I don't know. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I can see that interaction. Mm. It just... It feels... It feels reckless to take Harry directly from this ruins of his house where he confronted Voldemort to a place with muggles where he just gets dumped with no further magical study or like inquiry for like 10 solid years. It feels like someone should check him out. Is he okay? What happened to him? No one knows. That's the Dumbledore way, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. Like surely, surely Dumbledore looked at him. It doesn't seem like it. From it. From all of the interactions that Dumbledore has with like Hagrid and baby Harry and McGonagall. It seems like he just heard about what happened, sent Hagrid there, sent Hagrid to the Dursley's place and met him there. It seems like he'd never interacted with baby Harry before that. Yeah. But how that's, that's so, that's so mind bogglingly reckless. (laughs) Maybe this is something Dumbledore does like on the reg. Like he's like, he's constantly moving babies from one suburb to another and he's always living living it's like what baby did i move oh yeah that's that's all right that's the one i gotta meet up with that baby make sure it's not you know fucked up or anything (laughs) so so my new theory is that it's sort of building on what i was saying Mm. dumbledore and hagrid both arrive at the potter's place dumbledore goes off to deal with the ministry and the muggles and is like to harry to hagrid you know take harry get him out of here interaction Mm. with sirius Harry gets on the mo- Hagrid gets on the motorbike. I keep confusing Harry and Hagrid. <laughs> Hagrid gets on the motorbike with Harry, takes off, but he doesn't go to the wards of the Dursleys' place because he doesn't know who the Dursleys are and he doesn't know where they live. <laughs> oh dear. I think he gets on the bike and Dumbledore said something to him like, 
you know, we'll have to go and get Harry. He'll have to go and stay with his aunt and uncle. That's the only place he'll be safe. Mm-hmm. But he hasn't given Hagrid specific instructions or directions of where they are. Yeah. He's just said, you know, that's what we're doing. And now that Hagrid's acting independently, he's like, well, I've been separated from Dumbledore. I don't know what's going on. I think he gets on the bike and he goes back to Hogwarts. Oh, interesting. Yes. Because that would explain why he takes so fucking long. (laughs) Because he's got to go all the way up to the very, very top of Scotland in the middle of nowhere. (laughs) He would go over the sea to do that as well. Yes, and he would go over Bristol as well. Yeah. (laughs) I think he would anyway. So he goes... He's going dead north. All the way... He's going over the sea and then over Bristol and just north. Yeah. (laughs) Over the Isle of Man, over Wales. Like, he just goes over basically the entire country. Wales is south. Is it? Oh, okay. But it's further north than Barnstable. Yeah. What? Unless I've got completely the right place. Okay, hold on. I'm, like, I don't know my geography, but I'm thinking that, like, it's, like, okay. England, UK, so England's the middle bit, Scotland's above England, and then... Like, in the bottom, like, right-hand corner of England is Wales. And mm-hmm. then, obviously, Ireland's his own island on the left-hand side. Or am I wrong? <laughs> no, you're right. Like... But remember you were saying that you think the Potter's Place is in Barnstable, which is sort of south of the yeah. Bristol Channel? Yeah, yes. Wales is north of the Bristol Channel. It's in, like, the oh, okay. southwest okay. corner of uh, England. Or it's southwest of England, but it's still north of the Bristol Channel. As far as I can see I on this south- Google Maps thing. <laughs> I thought it was southeast of England. Okay. Never no, mind. other Doesn't side. Matter. Okay, yeah, this isn't important. <laughs> Wales is not a part of this story. So he flies all the way back to Hogwarts, <laughs> which would take, God, I don't even know how long. I was trying to figure it out, but like, where's Hogwarts? <laughs> yeah, it's in Scotland somewhere. Like, who knows? Yeah. I've got... The total trip, so the round trip from the Potter's Place to Hogwarts to the Dursley's Place is looking at about 20 hours. That's driving Mm. and with traffic and stuff, so blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. So he flies up to Hogwarts. He's there for a while. He probably meets Dumbledore there, and Dumbledore has a chance to, like, check over Harry, go into the Hogwarts school records and look up Lily's Lily Potter's next of kin and find up find out where Petunia Dursley lives. Right. At this point, this is probably very, very early in the morning of um the first of November. So maybe Dumbledore's like McGonagall, I need you to look up Lily Potter's next of kin. And then he finds mm-hmm. out where they live. So Lily's so mm-hmm. Minerva is like, hmm, Petunia Dursley this is odd and she decides to go and watch the over them and that explains yeah. why she ends up there first thing in the morning and Hagrid's like mm-hmm. okay well Harry's had a bit of a rough time so we'll rest here for most of today and in the afternoon I'll leave and start heading towards the Dursley's place Dumbledore knows that mm-hmm. tr- journey's going to take hours so he waits until like just before Hagrid would have reasonably shown up then he apparates over there meets up with McGonagall and Hagrid shows up okay it could still be a consideration of the fireworks and the hubbub happening that night. So Hagrid had to take off even later from Hogwarts. Or like he'd started mm-hmm. flying from Hogwarts, then there was hubbub, so he had to land and wait yeah. for it to die down and then continue on his long journey from 
Scotland mm-hmm. to <laughs> the bottom of London, which would have taken a while. Yeah. 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 I feel like that explains... That sequence of events explains the full 30 hours between Voldemort dying and Hagrid arriving at the Dursley's place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. I like them both. <laughs> so, have... Have we done it? Have we solved it? <laughs> I like them both. Honestly, I think they could both be just as valid. Like the my one where it's like, um, mm-hmm. starts flying, then, you know, Harry starts getting fussy, or the motorcycle has issues, or Hagrid thinks that's enough That's enough excitement for Harry for one night. Let's take him down and rest. Um, yeah. And then they continue on the next day after all the fireworks die down. Or your theory of going to Hogwarts mm-hmm. and all that. I think they're both... They're both pretty pretty good. I think, yeah, that's that could be yeah. mystery solved. <laughs> my theory my theory has a lot more travel time, mm-hmm. but it doesn't take into account how practical it is to transport a newborn baby mm. or a one year old baby mm. on a motorcycle with a giant for hours upon hours upon hours. Yeah. Like does he need to, you know, eat or something? What do, what do you do with babies? Babies need, yeah, babies need to eat and rest and they'll cry and get fussy and wiggly and stuff. It's, it's a risk taking a baby up in a, mm. up in a fucking motorcycle up in the air and the dark and the wind and the cold. Yeah, it's for like a 20 hour drive. Yeah, it's a lot. I'm sure, I don't know if we have any like parents of young children listening to this podcast, but I imagine anyone with a parent of a young child who's tried to take them on a road trip is just being like, Rhea's an idiot. Rhea knows nothing. <laughs> <laughs> McDonald's, McDonald's, McDonald's. Gem theory. <laughs> One black. Gem theory where they have to land and <laughs> Hagrid has to wait like twenty hours for Harry to be ready to do another hours long journey is much yeah. more practical. And for the the day to become dark enough and quiet enough for them to go out and do it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> for there to be no sky full of magic explosions and. Mm shooting stars and whatever other nonsense wizards we're getting up to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I can't believe we, we've done this. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> the other thing I like about your theory is it assumes that Hagrid's thinking a bit more practically. First of all, in terms of care of Harry, mm. which makes sense because Hagrid's very nurturing and, you know, he takes care of lots of different creatures. I assume maybe he knows how to take care of a baby. At least a little bit. I mean, the way he takes care of his creatures isn't always <laughs> the right way, maybe. <laughs> no, but... Look, and maybe he's never been around a human baby before. I don't know. I don't know how Chris like. <laughs> but maybe he's also taking into account what I said, that, like, sort of... They're still in, like, an active war time. They don't really know that Voldemort and all of his followers are gone. Just because all the wizards are being like, Voldemort's dead! Huzzah! That doesn't mean that, like, the Order of the Phoenix, the people who are on the front lines of this, are like, everything's chill now. We just can relax Mm. and not think anymore. Hagrid's probably like, there's probably lots of people out in the street right now. A lot of them are just running around in their robes, talking nonsense about how Harry's our saviour, but a lot of them are also Death Eaters who are out there hunting for this child. Yeah. And I need to be safe, I need to be really careful, I need to be moving short distances, zigzagging a lot, I need to be hiding and taking cover and making sure nobody follows me. Mm. Like, he's not in a rush. 
Where does he have to be really soon? He can take a long time to be very, very careful. Yeah. And he also wants to, like, make sure that, that Harry's okay during the trip, too. Like, it's cold in England, I'm assuming. It's it's October time, right? That's, like, fall. Yeah, that's autumn. Yeah. It's cold. And, like, going up high and in the dark and with the wind rushing around you over the ocean, that's fucking brutal. <laughs> like, Harry would need to recover mm-hmm. after a trip like that, even if it was only for 40 minutes, an hour, over the ocean. Like, yeah, it's... <laughs> It's a lot. Like, ha- like Harry needs to, like, rest. And he's he's also been through this horrible event. And Hagrid's probably a lot very grief-stricken by it. Like, you know, he knew James and Lily. It's it's so sad. There's this little abandoned baby. It makes him think of himself, you know, mm-hmm. being lost and alone. Like, mm. you know, <laughs> Hagrid's, Hagrid's had a rough night, too. He wants to land and recover and <laughs> wait. <laughs> wait it out in some, like, you know, little yeah. hideout. You know, they find a little abandoned... I don't know, building, and they hide out there, or there's maybe, like, a headquarters. Mm. No, headquarters would be compromised. They would go to somewhere that's off the off the grid in terms of magical, like, headquarters yeah. or anything, yeah. Um, yeah, God, we also have to think, like, there's so much happening that Hagrid might know about and you might not. Like, I was talking about, you know, all the wizards in the street that Vernon Dursley notices. Mm. You're talking about all the shooting stars in the sky and stuff, but there's also everything that's happening with... Sirius Black. Yeah. And Peter Pettigrew. Mm. Hagrid met up with Sirius and he knew Sirius and he knew Peter as members of the Order. Mm-hmm. Does he know what's going on? Like, maybe yeah, while he's he in the air, really. he gets news of the fact that, like, James and Lily Potter were betrayed by someone and he has to land the bike and just cry his eyes out because that's the kind of thing Hagrid does. When he realises that Harry's going to be abandoned with the Dursleys, he just bursts into tears and starts crying in chapter one. And, like, McGonagall has to sue them. He's not like a yeah. robot that can just keep going and not have to process anything. Yeah, exactly. <sighs> this is this made me sad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it took a, <laughs> took a sharp turn into depressing. <laughs> yeah. I thought we were going to be coming up with, like, wacky little theories, like, oh, maybe Hagrid stopped for Chinese food or something like that, you know? (laughs) Wacky little (laughs) hijinks, like, ha ha ha. But no, it's actually sad. (laughs) This this sensitive... Does does the bike run on petrol? (laughs) Yeah. Does he need to stop for petrol? (laughs) (laughs) This sensitive, strong, like, brave man is carrying this orphaned child miles and miles through the sky to get to somewhere safe for him and he's just traumatised and it's, the baby's crying yeah. and the baby doesn't know what's happened to it yet and it's all, it's all very sad. Like, <laughs> this harrowing, harrowing journey which is in no way comical or yeah. funny. And you're right, like, uh, I, I, I did mention that... Anyway. <laughs> I did mention that the bike might have malfunctioned. Like, we don't know what it runs on. I'm assuming it runs on some kind of magic... Um, stuff, but it, like you know, Hagrid's never ridden this bike before, as far as we know. He might have had some issues with the bike as well on a technical level, and had to stop and mm. like make drastic repairs, uh, <laughs> which he isn't known for. Yeah, so. yeah, we don't know. One of the things that I haven't thought of is no. Okay, what I said about Hagrid finding out about Sirius and Peter doesn't make any sense. Because he lands the bike yeah, at- next to Dumbledore and McGonagall. Yeah. And then he's like, I've got to leave. I've got to take young Sirius Black his bike back. Which he wouldn't yeah. have done if he thought Sirius was a traitor. Yeah. And also, oh, I didn't, I didn't presumably think of- if Dumbledore and McGonagall 
sorry, just a sec. If presumably if Dumbledore and McGonagall knew that Sirius was a traitor, they would have been like, "Oh, don't don't bother. Never mind. He's already been arrested." So everything with Sirius and Peter either happened and they didn't hear about it, or it happened in the next couple of days. I didn't think that from when you said that Hagrid found out that his friends were betrayed and needed the moment. I didn't think that Hagrid have found out that Sirius Black betrayed Lily and James Potter because obviously not because he has that line about Sirius and returning the bike. Um, but like if he yeah, yeah. if he put together the dots himself, being like Lily and James were safe and um, like they were promised to be safe, there was no way that like Voldemort could have found them unless. One, someone close to them betrayed them and that's just a terrible thought enough without even realising that you know it's serious or later on it's it's pedigree but um mm-hmm. yeah. yeah yeah man this episode did um, get sad <laughs> <laughs> I hope you like our show listeners <laughs> depressing Harry Potter realisations write in if you've got theories about where Hagrid was what he was doing yeah nicer more light hearted theories or maybe, like, we mm. should just, as Shane Madej says, we should just let things remain a mystery. Sometimes things are just remain a mystery. <laughs> 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 um, I have been Jam, and I think that Deadless Diggle is an icon, and I respect his decision to shoot stars in the sky. <laughs> Uh, I've been Rhea, and I think Millicent Bagnold is the true hero of the Harry Potter series. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Podcast Nine and Three Quarters. This show is written and edited by Rhea and Jem. You can send us an email at nineandthreequarterspodcast at gmail.com, find us on Tumblr, Facebook, and Instagram at Podcast Nine and Three Quarters, or talk to us separately on Twitter. Rhea is at SmashMouthRhea, and me, Jem, is at Jem underscore just Jem. Please feel free to send theories or ask us questions and bombard us with so many messages that we go mad and run away to a hut on a rock in the middle of the sea just to avoid them. Our logo art is by Winged Corgi. Find more of her art at wingedcorgi.tumblr.com. This week's intro music was Prologue by John Williams and our outro music was Hedwig's Theme by John Williams. You hear from us again in two weeks' time. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com.